What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode number 10, season number 6. I'm your host, Jim Michaelburn, joined, as always, by Jack Smith. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. It's our, I guess, pre-Thanksgiving show. Uh, the Flyers are currently riding a five-game winning streak uh, heading into tonight's game against the New York Islanders. Um, before we really get going here tonight, I just want to say, if you're watching this live on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and set an alert for future shows. If you're listening as a podcast, please make sure you're listening and subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to get notifications for future episodes the minute we upload them. All right, Jack. So mention the Flyers are on a five-game winning streak. We have a plethora of topics to get to tonight. It's... Flyers Twitter is just such a weird place to be, or Flyers X, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot going on. Uh, obviously, the main thing is the Flyers beating some pretty good teams, playing some good hockey. Um, we, we're going to talk about some benchings. Bobby Brink, of course, was benched for a few games there. He's back in the lineup playing well uh, at the expense of maybe Morgan Frost, who is now back riding the bench. So we'll, we'll touch on those topics. Uh, Flyers power play uh, has life. It's a wagon, apparently. We'll talk about that. Uh, Tyson Forrester gets his first goal. Uh, there's still some haters out there. We'll we'll, we'll talk about him for a bit. Um, during the Flyers' winning streak, there are people out there that are upset about Joel Farabee's ice time, and that's going to be a fun topic to talk about, Ajax. Hey, so we'll get to all that. A uh, couple goalie topics we want to get to, both pertaining to the Philadelphia Flyers and much more. Uh, all right, Jack, so let's kick off the show. Obviously, the Flyers play tonight against the New York Islanders. They have a gauntlet of Metro teams coming up, Metro games coming up. And, uh, you know, w- we'll see how they fare. You know, obviously, the division games are usually a little tougher than the other games. Uh, Flyers are currently 10-7-1. Will that record be the same, um, you know, after this little gauntlet of games come December 4th? We'll see. Uh, but as of right now, uh, pending tonight's result, the Flyers are 10-7-1 uh, at the United States Thanksgiving, which you know a lot of people use as a barometer for how things are going to go uh, the rest of the way. Um, but you know, having said that, the Flyers do have an opportunity for six straight. Uh, the Islanders, who are struggling, um, you know, fans are clamoring for the firing of Lou Lamorello. Uh, maybe the Islanders are going to be a desperate team tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. So uh, they're at home uh, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Their fans are going to be jacked up. It's, it's the night before Thanksgiving. It's a party night. Um, yeah. How do we think the Flyers fare tonight, Jack? And what have you seen out of them the, the last five games? I mean, just overachieving across the board. It sounds great. I mean, I don't have, I certainly don't have a problem with it, but who am I to say this thing's going to do anything but win? You know, I said they go one, one, and one the last three games. They go three and oh. So, what the hell does anybody know about this team this year? So, I expect a five nothing win. Um, I think they they still play in the Rangers Black Friday. It's like they play yep. the Islanders, the Rangers, then play the Islanders again, something like that. Yep. Um, so the Rangers are obviously the team leading in the division. I expect them to handle them. So, I, yeah, I'm looking at 13. Seven and one and when this is over, whatever the record is, plus three wins. Because I, I can't bet against them. They're uh they're just they, they you know what they're doing, which I really like that you can notice from any any time in the past is they're they're getting ahead in games. They're not playing catch up the whole freaking game. They are scoring first, they are scoring early, they're keeping it close early if they if you know one one or they're down a goal. 
They're not getting down two, three goals. And you remember they would get so disheartened and they would just stop playing. I haven't seen that at all. I think we mostly got rid of those country club players, but we're seeing guys who want to be here, who want to play, who work in the system. And we have a, I'll say a good problem to have. And that's, um, Guys that can come in and out of the lineup who should probably always be in the lineup, but you have a plethora of guys you can mix in that are good, are good, young, talented players. And yeah, so the whole tank thing, the whole get a high draft pick thing seems to be going to the wayside. But at the end of the day, when the game's on, it's they're fun to watch. Some of the goals are fun. I like who's doing the scoring for us. You're getting a goal was great. Thank God. You know, I could even, even York could, could have used the goal, even though it was a lengthy empty netter, you know, get him going again. I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it. So, and the power play is getting going, you know, finally, maybe this is what they needed because they're young. I'm not sure, but uh, either way, it's uh it's nice to see. It's nice to watch. We'll deal with the off season draft stuff later, but for now I can't complain. Not at all. So uh, um, there's some things in there. Um, but I do want to, yes, it, it's a serious thing uh, when you got the cheetah print on. It's it's a holiday. I got to look good. You know, I got to show up, show out. Big game tonight. Uh, so thanks for noticing that, and Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Mr. Twizzler, Twitzer, checking in. Uh, I'm led to believe they have recently scored seven power play goals, even though I watch all the games. I assume I'm being lied to. Yeah, they're what? scoring. they're scoring some goals. What a picture, by the way. Can you pull that up one more time? Yeah, let's see that. Damn. That says <laughs> Twitzer all over it. I love it. Look good, feel good from Ty. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's kind of my mantra these days. Uh, so the Flyers are 10-7-1 right now. They let's, let's remember a couple things here because I think as fans, it's easy to get sucked into the moment, right? When they're winning, it's, oh, well, I guess we're not going to get a top 10 pick or a top 5 pick, but we're – 18 games into the season, sure, they, they look very good. Um, but the teams that are supposed to be good, there's a lot of teams that are supposed to be good that aren't good yet. And over the course of a season, like we know, we've all we've all watched hockey, things kind of even out a little bit. Like the teams that are supposed to be good get good, and the teams that aren't supposed to be good end up being not, not very good. I, like I expect things to even out. Like – the Flyers aren't making the playoffs, right, Jack? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't think so, but uh, things keep up at this rate. I, I remember, I don't know who it was, but a lot of times certain pungents would say, like, come Thanksgiving, you typically know who's going to probably be a playoff team and who's not, even though it's a very early indicator. It's typically how your season's going. And when you look at the standings, and I'll pull them up right now, like we have a lot of the usual suspects, Rangers, um, the Devils, you know, and actually the Devils, it's still pretty tight, but I could have told you like four days ago, the Devils are right there. The teams that are surprising, Carolina's there, are obviously the Flyers, considering where they're at, and Washington. Washington. I mean, you think about what's happened there with Backstrom taking time off because he's injured and who's nets off wanting out and Ovi can't do anything but stand in the, cir the face-off circle and wait for a pass. Like He does not have the speed to do what he used to do. Uh, getting these final goals to break the record are, are going to be a chore. But uh, it's other than that, it's 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 just odd. Like you Typically, you, you'll see who's going to be in the contention, playoff contention, and who the bubble teams are. And when you look at all the other divisions around, it, it's who you'd expect. You have 
Boston's leading their division. Florida's right there. You know, Toronto, Tampa. Tampa's without Vasilevsky. He should be coming back soon. You look in the Western Conference, you got Colorado, Dallas. Uh, there's a couple surprises here and there. Every division's different. And then you got Vegas. Vancouver is an interesting one. But you got the Kings. Seattle's right in the middle there. We all know what's going on with Edmonton and whatnot. So, yeah, when you look at the Metro, you expected the Rangers. You expect Carolina. Philly, Washington's at least a team that is actually going for it. They make sense to be there. They're trying to milk this Ovechkin as much as they can. Pittsburgh's coming up the rear, as are the Devils. They have more games in hand. Uh, and then there's Philly sitting there at number two with the, of all the teams, you know, in the, in the division, only four of them have good goal differentials and the Flyers are third best <laughs> plus eight. You know, that's, they used to be the worst in the league. Wasn't it like minus 112 one year or something tar- horrible or something. So mm-hmm. it, it is weird, but look, we go another month and they're still within one, two, three, even four. Then it doesn't sound so crazy barring us, you know, an insane injury. Too many guys have overachieved it. Like Sean Walker is the first one that comes to mind. And you go, this guy was a throw in, you know, and then you got your, your young guys. You were already got about guys getting going again, like tip it, tip it, scoring plenty. Brink exit the lineup, comes back in scores. Power play could be getting going. I mean, all these and the goaltending solid, the backup solid. People were worried about Urson first. He's fine. The systems work. You know, the, our biggest issue is getting all of our talented player in the lineup at the same time. You know, so, I mean, when you have that many guys who are hungry, who want to, who are playing to stay in the lineup, who want to get better and other guys who might not be here, you know, down the road, it's just been a recipe for success. They have nothing to lose and they're sitting pretty and there's not much else you can say. There's a couple things here that I've noticed. What if I told you that there are only... Two teams, I'm sorry, three teams in the Eastern Conference that currently have more goals than the Philadelphia Flyers right now. And what if I told you those two, two of those three teams uh, are the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Look, we're talking teams with major star power here. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, who may be, you know, at least the second best player on the Leafs right now. Uh, teams with uh, Steven Stamkos, uh, Kucherov, right? Those are the only, I mean, and then the Red Wings are, are the third team with guys like Dylan Larkin and Alex DeBrinkett. Um, they're right, the Red Wings only have a goal more than the Flyers, but the Flyers are fourth in the Eastern Conference in goals. They lead the Metro Division in goals four. Now, they've played the most games, but it still counts, right? Um they're currently second in the Metro. They've played two more games in New York, who are first, and three more than the Capitals, who are third and just a point behind. Which, you know, this is kind of what I'm saying. Like, sure, they're playing good hockey now, and, you know, they're fun to watch. But I'm not, I'm not getting sucked into this. Well, there goes, uh, you know, there goes the rebuild. Because, <laughs> quite frankly, that's horseshit. It's just not true. Flyers, the Flyers won five games in a row. They're beating good teams. They played 18 games. There are teams that are going to catch up to them. Right? I mentioned the Capitals uh, played three less games. They're a point behind. Carolina, who is 10 and 7, in my opinion, they, they look like shit. Flyers just beat them. I think they'll figure it out. 
throughout the course of a year. But that this is what I'm saying. Once Carolina figures it out, they'll pass the Flyers. Uh, Penguins, who I'm not crazy the the way that their team is built. Um, we'll see what happens with them, but they'll end up passing the Flyers. The Devils, Jack Hughes is back, missed some time. Um, a couple new pieces there. They'll pass the Flyers. It's just going to happen. Um, so while the Flyers can continue to progressively get better, they're just going to get passed. You know what I mean? So I'm happy that they won five straight games, and I'm happy that they're beating good teams because it's good for confidence. And it's good for growth when you're rebuilding a team. You want confident hockey players. You don't want them to just be constantly beat down by by losing because, in my opinion, that produces losers. Um, So you want them to feel good. But over this course of the season, they're going to be passed by teams that start to figure it out, like the Carolina Hurricanes, like the the Capitals, the Devils, things like that. Um, So, yeah, the whole rebuilds over thing, everyone wants to trash torts. That's total BS in my in my mind. The plan has always been to rebuild. Um, torts has said they're going to try to win games, and they should be. <laughs> That's why they play. What's he going to say? What do you want Torts to say? Oh, well, you know, we're just trying to get better. And, you know, if, if we win, great. No, he's the coach of an NHL hockey team. These guys play the game to win. Well, I'm not sure what people wanted him to say there. So, you know, I, I I do like torts, but I can call him out on things that I don't agree with, like the whole frost thing, right, Jack? Let's kind of feed into that a little bit. This frost thing, I'm not crazy for it. I think he should somehow be in the lineup. I think you can find a way to get him in the lineup, even if it's a wing position. Um so, like, I don't have to agree with that. Now, like, there, there's an argument, I think, for why he's not. Like, if you – like, the other day, Jack, I think I put it in the uh, group chat maybe. All the centers that Torts is putting in the lineup, there's a common theme there. They're all defensively responsible, right? When you think of Frost <coughs> – excuse me. Defense is not the first thing that comes to mind, and – uh Jack, I'll let you take this one away. I'm losing my voice here. Sorry. No, I mean, Torts has a, a style. He has a, a particular type of player he likes. Um, I want to see more offensive guys play. I feel like that's where the league is going. But at the end of the day, you can't really argue with the results. Um, if 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 Frost, I guess, I guess, I'm not saying this is it. If he wants to uh, stay in the lineup, I guess he's going to have to be significantly more defensively responsible. Um, but again, I don't even think it's that. I think they have a plethora of embarrassment of riches for Tortorella's system. I'm not saying they're just flush with talent. I'm just saying for what he, the style of play he wants to do, they fit that mold whether it's veterans or young guys or a combination or whatnot, that seems to fit whatever Tortorella wants to do. You can't argue that the guy's getting the best out of what he has. And I, I don't think anybody's regressing. I don't think we're having a hacksaw situation where all the rookies are horrible and they're getting benched and for, for guys on cocaine and you know, who are going to be out of here and you're just waiting for his contract to be over. Like we don't have any of those situations going on. I understand that if winning, you know, we don't get a high draft pick, that's horrible and whatnot. And to an extent, I mean, I'm a draft guy. I love that stuff. I want to build, especially if not built to really win now. Uh, I want to get as much 
assets as we can and, and good assets, not just names. But what bothered me more than anything was the, the old country club mentality this team developed. And they got that through having 10 years of Haxall. It's we've heard like other players who've had a cup of coffee here and left who've played Dale Weiss comes to mind. Say what you will about Dale Weiss, but he played in Montreal locker room. He was quoted and I'm paraphrasing Shea Weber took control of that locker room. There were things in Philly that if Shea Weber saw that he'd have nipped that in the butt immediately. He said there was no accountability from the players or the coaching or management like that. I don't care how much talent you have. If you have a locker room like that, you're not doing anything. At the very best, you could be Toronto. Uh, maybe, maybe. And, you know, they have a plethora of issues there getting, what, past the first round of the playoffs. We saw that fiasco and how things could potentially snowball poorly there because of the locker room. And it was even worse in Philly. We saw how bad it was and how bad it could be. And I don't want guys coming up in an environment like that. So I'm not exactly against teams going out there and trying to win and actually performing it. You start feeling good about yourself. You get confidence. You start doing things that, you know, you're not gripping the stick too tightly. You're not trying to do things you can't do. You're just playing your game. You're playing your game. You're developing properly, developing right. You're developing good habits. You're not selling, you know, going for broke and just leaving defense at the wayside and trying to score, you know, like they're doing in San Jose so horribly trying to get anything on the board there. Like you're doing a lot of good things that'll help you down the road when the team is actually ready to contend. Does it hurt you in the drafting of this year? Yeah, a little bit, but that's today. That's now. We've got they got to prove they can stay consistent. They can stay healthy. They can hang with these other teams, which I agree with you. I look at the the division here and I see who's. I look at the wild card. What it would be if it ended today? I mean, there is no way Pittsburgh, the Devils, Detroit, even the Islanders and Ottawa can make pushes. All those teams are probably gonna. I named like sixteen. Four of them, I think, are going to get in. Washington's probably going to fall off at some point, and I think the Flyers, like you said, are probably going to get passed and fall off at some point as well. You know, but I can't argue with the start. I'm not upset about anything. I'm really not. Torres uh, <clears throat> is here for a reason. He's had success in the past in multiple franchises. Obviously, only one with Tampa. Um, and what we saw here for the last couple of years has been so horrible. I, I can't argue with what I'm seeing out there. And everybody's crying, and you know wants to hit the panic button <laughs> because we're winning. I remember the other way we're losing we're ready to nice. build to win, hit the panic button. It's like, just let these things develop the way they're supposed to. We have guys here. We could get a top draft pick and the guy could totally just be a, a complete miss. It happens. You know, it's, it's, we went through Nolan Patrick. Like we, we know, like look how many times the Oilers had to draft somebody high and didn't pan out. You're not going to go. We need a defenseman. Now it's happening to me, Jim. <laughs> I mean, it's a delicate balance. Right, because you you want both. It it really is a delicate line to walk, trying to rebuild but also not lose culture at the same time, and uh, that's what we're seeing. That that's what it is. It's hey, you know, we're not ready to make the playoffs and make a push, but that doesn't mean we have to go out and lose every game. Also, like we want to we want to try to build a culture here and be ready. I've always said year three is the year that we're going to see major improvement in the standings, right? Um, they'll still be a bottom 10 team come the end of this season. They'll still have a top 10 pick. I, I still believe that, I, I, you know, um, but we're seeing massive improvements in front of our eyes and people don't want to give towards credit, but all you see over the internet is, uh, I mean, on Twitter is the flyers are playing a different game. They're playing more puck possession. They have more controlled zone entries, Oh, do you think all the players just woke up one day and 
decided to play hockey different? Or do you think it's coming from somewhere? Like they don't want to credit the coach with that stuff. Um, so that, that kind of irks me a little bit because it's very easy to trash on people that you don't like. It takes somebody with a little bit of uh, intelligence to say, you know, I don't like this guy, but he's shown that he can change throughout his career. And that's, that's John Tortorella. That's what I like about him. I like a guy that can, that can change. He doesn't know everything. A guy that changes understands that he doesn't know everything. And if you can't see that, then I'm sorry. You know, you're, you're blinded by your, your dislike for a man. And that's a shame. You know, that's, a, that's in my opinion, a shitty trait to have. Um, anyways, so more, there are more facts here that prove that John Torella, John Tortorella is helping some of the younger players. Um, we forget Joel Farabee is only 23 years old. He's younger than Morgan Frost, right? 14 points in 18 games for Joel Farabee. Now we'll get to more on him in a little bit because people want to bring up his ice time, yada, yada, which I think is more horse shit. Um, but 14 games, uh, 14 points in 18 games for Farabee is on pace for career highs and goals, assist points. Uh, Owen Tippett, another guy, 24 years old, uh, on pace for another career year. Seven goals, six assists, 13 points, 18 games. Remember, we were talking about him a couple years ago. Where's, where's Owen Tippett? Um, took off under John Tortorella, 49 points last year. Let's not forget uh, Bobby Brink, nine points in 14 games as a rookie under John Tortorella. Uh, and then a guy that we forget is the same exact age, Jack, as Morgan Frost. And you know who that is? Ryan Paling. The same age as Morgan Frost and Owen Tippett. He's a young guy, right? He Sure, he's a vet. He's been in the league a couple of years. But guess who else? Morgan Frost is a vet. Owen Tippett is a vet. Like, stop. We got to stop looking at these guys like they're rookies, right? Ryan Paling's been in the league. He's 24 years old. He's just same kind of guy, Owen Tippett. Morgan Frost. Who's to say? Who's to say that this is not a guy the Flyers bring back to play on their third and fourth line, right? We, we need centers. This guy can play the position. He's a perfectly fine third, fourth line center, getting a lot of ice time. Tortorella likes him. Three, three points the other night. I'm pretty sure he had a shorthanded goal. Yeah, he did. Shorthanded goal against, I know it's Columbus, God forbid. Only Morgan Frost is allowed to show up against the shitty teams. Uh, but Ryan Paling, goal and two assists. I mean, the guy can, he, he's got some offensive ability. I'm not saying he's got to be first, second line guy, but another young guy playing well under torts. Dra drafted um, in the first round, mind you, ahead of Morgan Frost, I believe at 25. Where's Morgan Frost draft? 27 or something like Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. So drafted ahead of him. So let's, let's be fair here. Now. Yeah. I get what you're saying. And I, I think there's a ceiling with him, but it's a, it's a good problem to have a young guy doing well on your bottom pairing. You see tonight he's playing on uh, according to Bill Meltzer. He's playing on the third line. He'll be centering, and he'll be centering. Uh-oh. Don't fail me now. Farabee and Brink. It's not there different than De Delorier and Hathaway. Cates will be centering that line. This is, again, uh, according to Bill Meltzer. So, yeah. See, that'll be that'll be fun to see, dude, because those two guys, like I just mentioned, uh, they have it going on. And let's see what happens with Paling. Sure, why not? Let's just look at this team like we're talking about. And you got Couturier and Konechny playing with Forrester. Like, they're really trying to get him going. He's a very young guy. You know, I love that. You got Tippett, who's been fantastic. Once he started scoring, it's been coming in bunches with Lawton and Atkinson. That's your second line. Paling gets moved up to play with Farabee and Brink. Farabee and Brink have been in their own right two 
great surprises. Farabee had a rough year last year after the surgery. We're looking for him to come back strong. He was the first flyer to score this year. He's been off to the races ever since. And Brink has been the rookie sensation. He started, it looked like he needed to sit. So Tortorella says him. Comes back in the game, scores a goal. I believe it's a power play goal, mind you. Like, that's fantastic. And then you have one of the best fourth lines. I say what you will about that. But, I mean, Hathaway and Deloria, you can't ask for much more out of them. Paling gets bumped up a line. And Cates, Cates has been okay. I mean, he's a young guy again. He's a fifth-round pick you're not expecting a lot much out of. He's going to center the fourth line. And he could probably do a good job there based on his skill set. For sure. Like, there's there are a lot of positives. And, uh, again, it's with all these positives – I could sit here and say it. the Flyers, I don't think are going to be a playoff team. Nowhere close. Like maybe they'll be in the race, but like towards the back of the race, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, we're seeing the positive things that we want to see in, in a rebuild. Are we not like the, the kids that we want to, that we want going, have it going. Right. And then by year three or four, we have Cutter coming up towards the end of this year, and we'll get to Gautier in a little bit. We have a little bit of a scouting report for you guys. Um, Michkov, who, I mean, who knows when he's going to come over? I think it's at least three years or something. I forget now. But when, when these guys come, they're going to be like free agent acquisitions on a team that's, you know, already got it going on. They have, they have all the, the bullshit figured out, right? They're not going to be part of, you know, all right, we got to get back to zero kind of thing. When they get here, they'll be at zero, and the Flyers can be, you know, actually pushing for a playoff spot. They'll be in a winning environment. They'll have leaders established, uh, you know, and, and things like that. So things are going in the right direction, but I don't think that we need to get ahead of ourselves or, you know, because some people are, are losing their shit because the Flyers are winning games. Like, dude, relax. The losses are coming. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're playing good hockey now. But teams are still figuring their stuff out a little bit. Um, you know, the Flyers are are one of those teams where they're going to start to fade. They're going to lose some of these tougher games when the more skilled, uh, heavier teams uh, kind of start turning it on, I think. And it's not a negative against the Flyers. <coughs> I, I like this comment here from Mr. Twitch. I'm going to read it real quick. I don't know about other markets, but us Flyers fans treat every game like game seven, just like I like it. Yeah, and that's kind of – Kind of why it's so fun to be uh, in this market is because we overreact to every little thing, right, Jack? But yeah, we're in a rebuild, and I know we're in a rebuild, and I know what the process is, and it's 3-3 in a third period, and I think it was Carolina where they got scored, maybe somebody else, they got scored on. I almost broke my phone. Like, what the hell's wrong with me? Like, how much money that would have cost me? Like, luckily, it clipped something and hit the pillow. <laughs> like this doesn't even matter. Like, and I'm, and I'm losing my mind. I, I know what the assignment was and I'm still getting upset. And yeah. that's what, and look, you could, they could, everything can go the perfectly the way you want it to. And I'll tell you what I'm more concerned with it to an extent. Look, you can get that top pick and completely miss as I alluded to before my voice went out. Not everybody's going to be Victor Hedman. You know, you're not going to get a top defenseman. That's going to automatically click and be great. Like it's actually harder to make that work. And I know you still got to take that shot and you, you got to try, but ultimately, if this team can just, just draft the best they can smartly, spend money smartly, you, you can work past that. It's not the end-all, be-all. They do have a bad season, and these players aren't looking good. These players are going to rely on in the future. And But you get that pick, and then he doesn't really pan out. Then now where are you? So the, the one thing I do think we'd be missing out on is how close they are come playoff time. Um, 
I want them to move some pieces at the deadline. I want them to move some guys to make rooms for some other guys who will be a year older going into next year. I want some of these younger guys to have more permanent spots. Uh, and if they're in playoff contention, firmly in playoff contention, I doubt they do that. Um, hopefully they're like you said, they, they fall off a little bit. They're on the outside looking in and they just start moving pieces. I'm still in the trade Sean Walker camp today. I just feel like when it is time for the team to win, like in year three, like you were saying, and Meech coughs here and uh, Gautier's here and whoever else is here, uh, you know, he might not be as effective. He'll be 32, 33 years old at that point. And, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. I'd rather just get the, I know that I'd rather have two in the hand instead of one or one in the hand instead of two in the bush. So it's like that, especially if they're offering big numbers, you know, I almost to an extent feel like they missed out a little bit on getting a first round pick for Lawton last year. I don't know what that deal actually entailed. We all heard the, the rumors, but I would necessarily wouldn't be against another first round pick and another pretty, pretty nice draft. So I'm still on the trade, whoever train, um, but it's a good problem to have. It's a good question to have. And We'll see if they fall out of contention enough for that to even be worth talking about. I hope, I kind of hope they do. Well, here's my thing. And this is, this is like Flyers fans like getting too excited. Like that's the whole thing. Like from the second they got Sean Walker, my first thought was this is a trade deadline asset for sure. And now he's playing better than everybody thought. Right. And instead of, Wow, this guy could potentially turn into a first round pick. Like, let's like teams are giving up first round picks for guys like Gavrikov, right? And, and think of the think of some of the picks that the Lightning have given up at the deadline, uh, past deadlines. Like, they gave up a first for Coburn and more. This is, exactly right. So, I'm no way saying that Sean Walker is worth a first round pick. But teams get a little weird at the trade deadline. And if he's playing the way that he is now, come trade deadline, and you can't tell me that you'd rather sign Sean Walker than trade him for a first-round pick. Now, it's going to be a late first-round pick, more than likely, right? Um, but look at this year's draft. Look at some of the guys that were that were in the back, right? All of a sudden, because I think they have – Florida's pick two this year. Is that correct, Jack? Yes. So, and Florida's doing pretty well, but now you have ammunition, right? Now, let's say you finish seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth from the bottom. Now you have a pick to package and move up, right? Now you can go get your guy in the top five or top six, whatever it is. There's going to be a lot of defense towards the back of the top 10. Flyers need some D. There's a, there's a defenseman uh, in Michigan. I think his name's Artyom Levshinov. I mean, get the get the Russian over. Pair him up with Michkov. He's a he's a. I think he, I believe he's a right-handed shot. Um, he's having a hell of a year with the Michigan Wolverines and the NCAA. There are going to be guys, and Sean Walker. While you know, I I think I like him because he kind of proved, and I'm just being honest. He proved me right. Back when they got him, the whole time I said, this guy is just not a cap dump. The Flyers can use this guy. He's even surprised me because I didn't think that he was going to be playing this well. But I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, you know what? This is a guy the Flyers should sign. No. that To me, that's anti-rebuild. That's anti-doing what we're supposed to be doing here. Right? 
they can, they can, this is why I'm saying it's such a fine line to walk. They can give their heart, uh, they can play their hearts out every game, you know, and, and miss the playoffs and still improve heading into next year. They can do all this, not add at the trade deadline. They can do all that and still subtract to get picks, to get assets. That can still be a thing, right? Because the goal is not to just compete now. The goal is to win a cup in the future. And so, you know, they need to be doing things that I think back that and sign, in my opinion, signing Sean Walker goes against that a little bit. You know, that's, that's fine. You know, bring them along, let them help you win a couple games. But if a team comes along and I don't know, somehow offers a first, even a second, you take that. Yeah. And, and, and Mike has had some great points here. So Michael London, I'm not sure I've seen you in the chat before, but thanks for hanging out with us, man. You make a lot of good points. Sean Walker is found money. He's house money, right? Los Angeles basically gave him up for free. He said, take this guy. We, we got to get rid of his cap. We got to go sign a goalie and Gavrikov. And Briere, that was a friggin' hell of a trade, said, yeah, we'll take him, sure. And I'm sure he's played better than even they thought. This guy is an asset. Uh, and you can, I mean, they'll get more, I'm sure, than just a first-round pick. Maybe it's a first and third. Maybe it's a second and a fourth. Who knows? Take the assets, right, Jack? Absolutely. You know, I'm always a take the asset kind of guy. Look, if um, the Flyers, I mean, you say teams get crazy at the deadline. And this guy's a defenseman, mind you. And teams, you look at Toronto, you look at teams like that, they're always looking for a, some kind of steady defenseman at the deadline. And if a guy like Christopher Stieg can go for a first and a third, and he's a friggin' winger. It was never worth it was never worth the first, let alone plus. You know, right. that's the kind of trades that get made when teams are like really going for it, or they think the window is closing and they need something, you know you can get something out of a team. If you're, if you play the game, right, you play your cards, right. You can absolutely get more than much more than somebody's worth. And if that opportunity knocks with Sean Walker, you take it. If it doesn't, then you talk about resigning him and maybe trying again next year or something like that. Uh, as far as extending him for this team. And it's just, that's so far down the, the track. I feel like that. I, I don't, I don't think it's going to work out the way you think it is. I think he's going to start to age, you know, lose a step, whatnot. Not that he's old, but by that time, he might not be exactly what you signed him for. And um, he also knows that he needs to – this is a re resurgence year for him. Like he was like on the out looking in in L.A., a team that needs some steady defensemen, making trades for defensemen. Like there was a spot there. They moved on from him. And who knows how the league's looking at him right now. You're like, okay, well, I need to show that I need to play. So that's what this year has been. He has shown that he is definitely a valuable defenseman. Now, once they sign their deals, how does that work going forward? Because he's 29 years old. He's only making two and change. I'm sure, he wants to get signed to that big deal. A lot of times these guys get signed to a big deal. They don't always give you the same play they had before that. So I'd rather take the asset, have somebody else deal with that. God forbid you bring him back anyway after you trade him. That's not crazy either. Um, but, yeah, it, that's just no matter what you do, it's a win. And that's what foul money is. But, uh, again, I'm still on the I'm still on the grab the assets now. Um Good problem to have. It's an absolutely great problem to have. Things you do in a rebuild, honestly. This was a little more lucky, but good. You need luck in a rebuild, so that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Dave, I'm sorry. I missed your point earlier, but uh, Dave goes, teams run out of options and Walker becomes attractive, and maybe you do get a one. Yeah, I don't think it's that crazy. You know, teams, teams get funny around that time of year, and if he's playing this well, come trade deadline, I think you have to consider it. I mean, he's a right-handed shot. He's playing – 
PK. The way he's playing, you you could stick him on a second power play. I'm not sure if a playoff team would end up doing that, but he's an option if you if you run out of him. Uh, and obviously, he's playing well five on five. So, um, yeah, it, it, he's house money. You know, uh, go get assets. Uh, I mean, in the long, and it ends up becoming you know, LA sent you first in the Provorov deal instead of just Sean Walker. You know what I mean? Mm. So. Yeah, it's interesting stuff there. All right, let's move forward a little bit. We're already almost 40 minutes into the show, guys. Wow, flying by. Time flies when you're having fun. Talking about winning hockey and trading assets, and how about that, Jack? I just saw the years we were covering the team where they were supposed to be a contender and a playoff team, and we were pissed off and angry, and here we are on a rebuild, and it's like, oh, the Flyers are second in the division. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, so Flyers power play. Speaking of positive things. Clicking of late. Let me just bring up some of the stats here. Um, if memory serves me correct, the Flyers were dead last in the league in power play percentage. As of today, they are no longer rock bottom. They are 28th in the league, 11.5%. Uh <laughs> They're better than the Blackhawks, the Blue Jackets, the Blues, and surprisingly, the Capitals. Caps are dead last in power. They're, they're clicking at 7%, Jack. 7%. Um, so, the, I mean, the, the Flyers, the PP is still not great, but it looks like they're kind of figuring things out a little bit. And who would have thought that to score goals on the power play, Jack, you have to shoot the puck. You have to get pucks to goal, you have to create a little chaos. And something that was kind of irking me a little bit earlier this season where, you know, people were praising the power play for the way that they're moving the puck and snapping it around, which it's great. It's very nice to see. Um, you want them to know what they're doing with the puck. However, they were spending too much time passing the puck around. Their 30 seconds would go by before they'd even take a shot. And if you're defense and the power play is passing the puck around, you're totally fine with that. Do you know why? Because you can stay in position on the penalty kill. You kind of know where to go when the puck's being passed around. When a team shoots and there's a rebound, you have to go chase. Now you're out of position to go get the puck, right? (coughs) Excuse me. So I think it was – the most recent game, or I'm sorry, who did they play before Columbus? It was the Saturday game. Um, oh, geez. Is it not Carolina? Um, Vegas? Um, I think it was Vegas. So they were on a power play against Vegas. I think it was Sanheim got a shot to goal. I'm not even sure if it hit the goal or not. But it went to goal, bounced back out, and... Tyson Forrester sitting in the slot where he should be on the power play and deposits home um, a power play goal, his first of the season. Get pucks to goal, throws the defense out of position. Everyone's scrambling, looking where the puck is. Make sure your guys are in the right spot because you have an extra guy. Get shots to goal. It's not freaking rocket science, right? (coughs) That's how they teach them. Yeah, so power play is clicking a little bit. Bobby Brink even gets one. Um, 
so yeah, it's you know it's a short sample size. We'll see where it goes. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean it's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? You got a lot of young guys, new pieces. You know, the people are killing Rocky Thompson for a while. So we'll see. It's early. Um, if these guys can who have not been able to finish can start finishing, naturally your power play is going to get better. But also, like you said, certain guys got to just get the puck to the net. And we've seen it happen against the Flyers so often. Shots get through and either sneak in or if there's a juicy rebound. Like this stuff happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and and Dave comments here. You have to pass quickly as well. Absolutely, it opens up lanes and whatnot. But uh, you know, there's I think I believe there's a thing called overpassing. You know, and it's just it's too much. There's you a know, chance some, for that. Right at some point, you know, if you're passing with a purpose, that's one thing. You know, if you're passing just to pass the puck around because it's fun, which you know, I'm just joking around. They're not doing that, but. You know, the, the purpose of passing the puck should be to open up uh, lanes and get pucks to goal and things like that. And, you know, we'll see how long this continues, but it's just, it's it's refreshing to see them put the puck in the net on the power play. And it's the young guys, Brink, Forster, yada, yada. So, you know, everybody's happy once again. Uh, let's move forward here just a little bit. What do you want to do first, Jack? Do you want to touch on Farabee? Do you want to do one of the prospect updates, the KHL report we're bringing back? I want to hear about this Farabee time on ice stuff he got. All right, here we go. So I don't remember uh, how it came up. Uh, our buddy Tom punched it in the group chat a couple days ago. And I believe it was a dig at John Tortorella um, in so many words that I think the way it was phrased was our the team's best winger is currently playing on the third line. Uh, I want to say I remembered seeing He's getting just 12 minutes at five on five, <laughs> excuse me, which apparently is pretty low compared to the top five uh, scoring wingers. And, you know, I, the way, it, the way it looked like was, you know, why is he only playing 12 minutes, even strength? You know, why isn't he playing on the top line with Coots, yada, yada. And the only thing that I could think, Jack, and I want to get your perspective here because, uh, like, I, I know myself and I know when I can be closed-minded. And in this case, the first thing that popped into my head was the Flyers have just won five straight with wins against the reigning Stanley Cup champions, the Carolina Hurricanes, who I believe won the division last year, and the Los Angeles Kings in Los Angeles, a team who – just beat the Flyers, I believe, a week prior, 5 nothing at home. Uh, they also have a win against the Anaheim Ducks, who you know might be an up-and-coming team. They're off to a hot start as well. Um, and then they, they did what they were supposed to do against the Columbus Blue Jackets. What's the problem? Why, why does there have to be a problem? The guys got 14 points in 18 games. You need balanced scoring. They don't have a superstar on the roster. What's the problem? Why is that an issue, Jack? Uh, it's definitely something that doesn't strike me as an issue. First off, their best winger is Konechny. Let's come on now. But uh, when I look at their time on ice, just for full game, you know, he's he's right in there. It, I think what sticks out, which can be irritating to some, I guess, is for wingers after Konechny, a time on ice, he's at eighteen oh six. 
Atkinson's about less than a minute at 1726. And then it's Forrester at 1544. But you notice that Forrester, Brink, Tippett, Farabee, they're all in that 15 range, 1513 to 1544. Farabee's at the low end at 15, 1513. He's tied with Tippett. Uh, he's got one more point than Tippett. They both played 18 games. He's got seven goals, seven assists, but Tippett's got seven goals, six assists. And um, I can't argue with what I've seen out of Brink. He's played less games, but he's got nine points. But they were talking about him in the Calder race early on and being ahead. I could understand a little bit of Forrester's usage, but some of these guys, these high scoring guys, these offensive guys, well, they got to play. They got to play on the power play. They got to play with the Konechnies and with the Couturiers and with those top lines to get going. You already know for to, to an extent what you have in Farabee. You know what he's capable of. He can play more all over the lineup than I don't want to put I don't want to put some of these guys like Forrester on my third line if I'm trying to get him going offensively. That doesn't make us that doesn't really make sense to me. Um Farabee has been going since the start of the season. I have had zero issue with his play overall. He's a little bit more defensively responsible than some of the younger wingers simply because he's been in the NHL longer than they have. And at the end of the day, if the team's winning I, time on ice, it, it does not bother me unless it's like a massive discrepancy and they're all bulked right there for the most part. And they are, they are favoring Forrester a bit, but that's a, that's about, and they're, they're trying to get him going. So it's nothing to really lose your mind over. If you ask me, I totally agree. You know, there, there are things that I could get way more angry about, way quicker than somebody's time on ice there's there's got, nothing oh, i was just gonna say and i've said this before in the chat as well i'm like there's very very little that can happen this season that can truly upset me like yeah. like really like I, am i worried about i'm worried about their usage or time i mean this whole team this is the year we've said this all off season i've, I've seen little pushback this is the year to to experiment to do this to do that to try this to try that and the team is in second place in the metro and I, i'm gonna be upset like, I, it just seems silly. Uh, yeah, sure, I'd like to hire draft picks, but who wouldn't? So, like, uh, ultimately, the team's playing well. I can I can't, I can only imagine they're going to continue to play well in the future. You know, especially when I look at a guy like Tippett, who had his breakout year, and then he has a slow start, and then he starts going again. That, to me, is may, way more important than anybody's time on ice. You know, Farabee, sure. same deal. He, he, he got going. He looks like it was his old self. Great. Let's get these other guys going. Let's get them some, you know, more than a cup of coffee or limited uh, time. You know, when we're expecting a lot out of them, let's let's get them some ice time. So they need it's more important to them right now. If we were trying to go for it and win, we're like we're a cup team, we're a contender team. Then I can look into that a little bit more and be like, we're not winning games. We need to win games, and our best or second best or third best winger needs to be freaking out there playing, and he needs to be doing power play. Okay, well then I understand that. That's when that kind of argument comes really makes more sense with me but the team's winning when at a time when they really shouldn't be and they look everybody looks good for the most part our biggest issue is can we start all of our talent that, that's our probably our biggest issue so I, I i can't wrap my head around getting upset over something like that considering the season we're in considering the context what if uh and i agree what if i told what if i said you know we're only 18 19 games in what if I said John Tortorella is managing a guy's ice time early in the season and he's going to ramp it up because as the season goes on, because it's an 82 game season and he doesn't want to blow the guy's tires halfway through the year. 
What if I said he's only going to average 12 minutes for the first few months? And after Christmas, he gets cranked up to 15, 16 minutes. I think right now he's averaging 15, but 12 minutes, five on five. Like, who's to say that that can't change throughout a year? So, like, and this is what pisses me off. Because people have their little agendas, whatever, and we all do, right, if they don't like a guy. I mean, I have my agendas, but if if Travis Sanheim is going to lead the Flyers in points, I'm going to stop talking shit on him. I'm not going to look for reasons to not like him. You know what I'm saying? I can change my mind. And, I, and honestly, I really haven't changed my mind on Sanheim. It's only 18, 19 games. But I won't go out of my way to trash him. You know what I'm saying? And what this is, it's a way to trash Tortorella. And that bothers me, right? Because now you're nitpicking. You're looking at reasons to, to not like a guy, right? And it, it's not the brightest argument because the team, like I said, is on a winning streak. Barabee's 14 points, 18 games. We're 18, 19 games into a season. Don't you think the coach is trying to manage ice time a little bit, right? Don't you think Forrester's getting 15 minutes out there because he's trying to get him going? He needs to see more from Forrester because he's only had, uh, before this season, eight games of NHL experience. He wants to see how he's going to battle through the adversity. A goal scorer not being able to score. Is it going to crush his confidence or is he going to continue to do the little things right like he's been doing, right? So we're seeing positive things. So to nitpick, oh, look, Joel Farabee's only averaging 12 minutes, even strength. That's such bullshit. No one gives a shit. The team's winning games. Farabee's scoring points. He's healthy. That's all I care about. Who gives a shit how much his ice time is? It yeah, bothers I, me. I, and this, again, this is not the season to worry about that. And we do know that Tortorella manages the ice time. Look what he just did with Brink. Brink looked tired. He looked. He, he benched him. And he comes back into the lineup, scores a power play goal. So obviously the guy knows what, knows what he's doing. And Great we see this point, with rookies. They, we see this with rookies. End of the year, mm-hmm. they all start slowing down. They have more maintenance days. So I let him let him do his, They are doing just fine. Like I can't – like this is not – I'm so used to being angry with the team and just That's throwing true. everything. And now I'm like – I feel like I'm defending a little bit, and I don't know why. You know, outside of they need a higher draft pick. And I want them to sell at the deadline. That's about, that's it. That's the only two issues I have, but I understand why. And I'd rather have the team just learn how to win, not fall into that. Well, losing's fine mentality. Cause we really didn't think that was a big deal, which is another reason I'm not like, Oh, just put all the kids out there, take away every veteran trade veterans and have them, you know, try to keep their heads above water, you know? And it's no, you need to, you need to set the, the winning standard. Or the at least like we're gonna give it our all standard, and this won't be tolerated, and that won't be tolerated. I can't say I don't see that this season. Now, if you want to make arguments about the whole frost thing and that usage there, as far as being started in the game, okay, there's something to that. But anything else, it just feels like you're picking at something that's not there, especially considering the season. I agree. I agree. And let's kind of wrap it up there. I, I mean, that's that's pretty much what it is. You said it. You said it well. Um, we're coming up on 51 minutes. We have a few more topics to get into. Why don't we get to some of our, uh, prospect stuff, KHL update, and then we'll wrap it up with the the goalie talk. What do you think, Jack? Sounds good to me. All right. So before we get to Cutter Gautier, let's get to our first time in a little while here. The KHL update. Quick KHL update. And this is only going to be a one player thing here. Uh, and it's going to be on Matt Vemichkov. So he's still... Still doing his thing out in the K. 
Um, we have a little clip for you of his, one of his most recent goals here. Uh, 11 goals, 13 assists for 24 points in 26 games with Sochi. Uh, so I guess St. Petersburg didn't need that, huh, Jack? They didn't need <laughs> a year from an 18-year-old stud. Um, so here we go. We have, a, we have a clip for you of his latest goal. Uh, just a reminder for those who aren't following the KHL, uh, Michikov's 39. He kind of trails the uh, the player with the puck during it, throughout this clip. He ends up in front of goal, and uh, we'll let you watch him here. Do успеет, но необходимо и дальше борьбу эту навязывать, пока не получается. А вот Куснудинов уже в зоне атаки. Неподалеку и Матвей Мичков. Куснудинов в центр натянули на Артур. Пытался выкатиться. Да, это было видно, но не пустили. Еще один бросок и шайбу в воротах. 1-0. So, what do we see there? I mean, we see a, an 18-year-old kid. He's not the biggest kid. Um, you know, he, he follows the puck around. Goes to the, the, the spots where you want a goal scorer to be. That's the slot in front of goal, the dirty area. That's what we call it. Uh, puck goes out to the point. Quick shot comes in. He's ready for it. You know, deflects it home. Um, a goal scores goal. He could do it all, Michkov. Uh, I mentioned uh, 24 points, 11 goals, 26 games. Um, not going to go crazy with the scouting report on Michkov. Everybody knows he's going to be a stud. Just a matter of when he comes over. But, uh, yeah, just a little little taste there, Jack. Always looks good. Imagine this guy, Gautier, with all these other guys we have doing what they're doing right now. The last thing I'm going to be concerned about is time on ice. Yep. They're going to be adding a rock star when he comes over. Um, okay. So we have a bit of a scouting report for uh, the other stud in the flyer system, who we may see towards the end of this year, uh, and that's Cutter Gautier. So I have a couple clips here. Let me just bring them up. Uh, first clip's going to be Gautier. I, I believe – he he wins a battle in the corner in the defensive zone uh, along the wall, or he helps force a turnover. And puck goes the other way, and he immediately he looks for uh, I guess a spot to receive a pass uh, for a prime scoring opportunity. We'll show the clip here so, so you guys can kind of see what Carter's doing in the NCAA. Uh, goal. Here in the second period, twenty-two for the game. Here's Lucas, he's got a look, he shoots a save. The rebound bounces past Wood. Wood with that good reach, trying to keep it in the corner. It's chipped out, Lucas. Yelvik drops it. Kick save, Hyder on a quick release. So he didn't score there, but I mean, you, you could see the, the guy knows where he's gotta be on the ice. Um, you know, he helped win the battle in the D zone. Puck came out of the zone on the left side. He knew right where he was going. He was looking for space, looking to receive a pass. He's got a heavy shot. We'll show that in the next clip. Um, but, yeah, it's another another shooter, another score. Flies are going to have coming up through the ranks. Uh, 11 goals in 12 games for Boston College. I believe that's good enough for the top three or top five in college goal scoring. Um, so, yeah, and, and not many possess the shot that he's that he currently has as a sophomore. Uh, in college here. Yeah, the next clip is going to be a, of an actual goal um, from Gautier. And I believe in the next clip here, he actually loses the faceoff. Puck comes around his goal. Uh, his teammate picks it up along the wall. Cutter shows up for support. His teammate's able to complete a quick pass. And there, you know, the rest is uh, all Cutter. So we'll show that now. Out of midair. Chandor thought he had the tying goal. Bradley off the wall, another face-off win for UConn. 
His shot didn't get through. UConn's also hit the post twice in the second period. Gauthier in with a burst. He scores. Cutter. Go man, it's such a heavy shot, man. That, and that was that was from pretty far out, still too. Did you see, I went around that defenseman though, like just yeah. widen up the stick handling, and it, I don't know if he <laughs> defenseman bit or whatever. He went easily right around him, and then he does what he does best and just buries it home with a beauty of a shot. Can't wait for him to get here, baby. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's just a little bit. I'm I'm watching I'm watching some Gautier this week, and now I've only seen a one game so far, and I picked out maybe the two best things I saw out of that game. Um. You know, I'll keep the other stuff to myself. I shared it in the group chat. I don't want to be a buzzkill or anything, but I wanted mm. to show the positive stuff there uh, from Gautier because he does possess some some elite skill uh, for his age. Um, so yeah, two guys to be excited about in, in Gautier Michkov. Uh, we'll do some more of this on future shows. Uh, we'll have some more video and, and stuff. I'm trying to figure out how to to narrate videos and uh, point out where players are, and so it's easier for you guys to watch and whatnot. But hopefully, you enjoyed that little snippet there. We'll have more. Um, all right, Jack. So we're into our last uh, about three and a half, four or five minutes here. Um, some goalie talk we want to get to. Flyers did release Felix Sandstrom. He went unclaimed, so he reported to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Anything you wanted to touch on there? Uh, they were carrying three goalies. I thought it was odd. Never got a chance to really see him play. It felt like they, I don't know if he was already sent down or being sent down when they had injuries, and we ended up seeing Peterson instead, or he was hurt too or something. I was already out on this guy, unfortunately. I don't see them getting any assets for him. It just seems like he's a younger-ish guy hanging around and whatever. For yeah. me, it's all heart, Ersan, and then you got to skip a couple of goalies so we get to these younger younger guys that are in the system and or were just drafted. Sure, for sure. Um, I, I've been on here before, and I said uh, I hope he's a guy that kind of sticks around. I thought he got the short end of the stick. Played well with the Phantoms last year. Hey, if he can – stick around with the phantoms in some capacity while they get these, some of these young guys coming up. That's just fine. Um, if not, you know, I hope he goes somewhere else and succeeds or whatever, just not with an NHL team, blah, blah, blah. So just figured we mentioned that, um, there was some bigger flyer goalie news that came out last week. We failed to mention it. So we want to apologize to you guys. I mean, I'm sure you all knew about it then. And by now, uh, but Roman check Monarch passed away, Jack. That he did, that he did, and we still don't know why. Apparently, he got sick the or was feeling ill the day before, and didn't go to. I don't know if it was practice or a game or whatever he was doing. He was at the rink for something. He could have been coaching for all I know. Uh, and then I believe his son found him uh, unresponsive, and he had passed away. Still don't know the actual cause, but fifty-two is way too young. And for those of you who are too young to remember. Flyers drafted him when he was age 29 in the sixth round. It did not take him long to come to the Flyers and to make an impact. Uh, to give you some idea, he was basically first tandem with him and Boucher, where Boucher was a starter, and he overtook that in 2000-2001, where he was a Vesna runner-up to the greatest goalie of all time, Dominic Hasek. Uh, He was an all-star. He was fourth in the heart voting. I bet you Hasek won the heart that year. Um, he then... You know, took the job over from Boucher, and then he would he tandem with Ash. Ash would go on to take that job a little bit later when Czech Monik was traded to LA. Uh, he had 25 shutouts in four seasons, uh, which is in, in, insane. Consider Vasilevsky had 32 and nine. Uh, that's from Frank Sarabelli. 
Uh, yeah, my, my memories of him, obviously, he liked to, and Boucher said this, and I'm, I'm not going to quote him, but he never saw a goalie who opted to use his mask to make saves, like wanted, almost wanted the buck. You have an option. You got your your waffler, your glove, your stick, your pads. I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the face mask. Like it just it felt like that was his choice. Um, that and he's also known for fly when they were really good and he was really good. They for some reason the Flyers could not get past the Ottawa Senators in the early 2000s and two different seasons and their goal scoring was horrible. They were losing like one nothing games, two nothing games, and it got to Checkmonic. Checkmonic at some point skated center ice and shouted out the bench and right in the middle of the game. I mean, it was, there was no play going on, but still it's national TV, you know, and I believe Ronick at that point instructed the team to fire strap slap shots as hard as they could in practice at his head. Um, so yeah, he was, he was a colorful guy. Um, lived right here in Marlton. Actually I'm a cherry Hill, but lived in Marlton for a while. Um, yeah, it's a shame. 52 is too young. He was really good. And, hot-headed while he was here like much like uh, most goalies but uh he was memorable when he was here it's a shame that uh things happened the way they did he could have been a lot more well known for his uh his feats here that's for sure it is a sad thing he was one of my favorite goalies that's for sure he was unique in the way he played and jim jackson coined the phrase the the, the cranium carom which was one of my favorite lines um, <laughs> i don't remember that at all <laughs> while watching the flyer so wow yeah it is a shame um yeah, rest in peace and, uh, you know, prayers for his family and whatnot. So, yeah, any, anything else we want to touch on before we wrap up the episode, Jack? The uh, Flyers have a game tonight. Do they win? Of course. They, they easily win. It's probably going to be 5 nothing shutout. They're going to go 3-0. and When we talk again, they'll have won the last three or four games, depending on when we get do this again. And the big, I want to see how they – seriously, though, I really want to see how they fare against the Rangers. I mean, that that is the top two teams right now in the division, and you, you want to get an idea of where this team is? Well, I hope they're I hope they're up for that game. I have a feeling I don't know if they win, but I know they'll be up for it. That's what the difference between the teams of this the, this year season and yesteryear and those clowns that you know drug us through the mud. So it should be exciting, should be good, and keep it up. Let's see all the things we want to see. So the Flyers have a measuring stick game. Is that what we're saying? I guess you could say that. I mean how about that? Game 20. First they, day after Thanksgiving, measuring stick game. For the Flyers, they're gonna beat It'll be interesting. Gonna I want to see if there's going to be more Flyers fans there Friday than Rangers fans. Uh, I, hey, hopefully we'll see. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's a good one. We'll the see. Rangers are good. Um, all right. I think we're going to wrap up. I, I think it's going to be a tougher one tonight. The Island Islanders are a heavier team. They're not very good. Um, we'll see what happens. I think it'll be a at least a good game for the Flyers, and then obviously looking forward to Friday. Uh, everybody have a, a great Thanksgiving. Uh, have a safe Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I know tonight's the party night. Nobody drive. Uh, you don't have an excuse to drive drunk these days. Get an Uber, get a ride, uh, DD, whatever it is. Uh, and then tomorrow, everybody enjoy the day. Jack, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, be talking, uh, I guess, next week, eh? Happy Thanksgiving, Jimmy. Marty Biron. <laughs> All right, boys and girls. Uh, everybody enjoy the Flyers tonight. We'll be back next week. <laughs>